Welcome to Our View with Tim and Joe. Welcome to Our View, where Jill and I discuss brave people doing brave things to make the world better. Then there's getting what he wants. Yes. Getting what he wants is one of the new pieces that was never published, and that is a frat boy story. So, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> just by definition, right? Frat boy yes. Story. Yes. That, yeah, that was an interesting one to write. I was writing it for an anthology that it never made it into, and so it was just sitting around, I think, which is part of the reason why, like I said earlier, that I decided to put together the collection, because I did have some stories that would never place and i thought well what do i do with this and i also wanted to sort of bring to life the stories that had sort of vanished with the anthologies um so that was one of the ones that i had written yeah it's just a it's a it's not your typical fret boy story i would say like there's no like hazing and there's no sort of like you know group brother action that i think maybe you find in a lot of frat boy stories but again, it's sort of also like it has this emotional depth to it, you know, and it is between, you know, two frat brother roommates. And so, yeah, it's this really like, I don't know, it's hard. I always find it one hard to describe because there's a lot going on in it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of issues with sort of like, you know, a dominant and submissive behaviors and also sort of latent, latent feelings like homosexuality and latent desires. Um, but there's also sort of lust versus love going on so it's got a lot of it's got a lot of layers to it oh that's great uh, yeah it's it's an interesting thing and i always had thoughts about you know if i were to sort of re-edit it or change it like you know how i would maybe frame it differently or create different situations to it but i think it's sort of the way it is now i think it's the way i wanted it to be mm-hmm. so I don't really, you know, I don't really um, see a need to sort of readdress that story in particular. But I, I do sometimes think about, you know, these the stories after you've written them, after they've been published. A lot of times you think, oh, how would this be reframed if I added sort of this element to it? Or Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah, so, and sometimes I think about that one in particular. I think because it's a frat story, and sometimes part of me wants to make it more fratish. Or I think it has to be more fratish because it's a frat story. So if you know sort of what I mean by that essence of, oh, it's not frat enough for people. Yeah. I think that's why sometimes I think about reframing it to make it even more fratish. But it's it's not necessarily really about the idea that it's, you know, a frat story. I think that's the point, right? It's, it's, it just happens to be two frat boys. Frat brothers. Yeah, yes. frat. Yeah. And that's the thing. It just happens to be like the two frat brothers, but it's not essentially... It's not essentially the quintessential frat boy story. Yeah, it's not what you would find online where you see a group of guys after drinking one night and in a party, that whole scenario. No, that's not what you will find. You will, it will, it's actually, this will actually surprise you. See, I like that. I, do, I, I like the way you made that story pan out. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with most of the stories. They will surprise you. I mean, even the ones that are themed, like the, the baseball story and the pirate theme story, they all surprise you within the theme because it's you know i take the theme and i play with it in different ways i think than 
um, you would expect. I don't necessarily go down the traditional route, which is why I think um, the publishers and the editors always really liked my stories and, and put them in the anthologies because I take this idea and I totally, you know, shape it in a very non-traditional way. You know, and I think I think readers and editors and and everyone sort of really appreciate the idea of how I can like manipulate the theme so that it still fits within the context, but you're actually getting you're getting sort of more more material than you expect. Oh, that's great. So what else is after uh, after um, getting what he wants is Chubster? Yes. Chubster, I actually read from last week. I, I read at the Rainbow Book Fair in New York City in support of erotica and Chubster is the story I read from. I read from the opening of Chubster. Uh, I love Chubster. Chubster is the most recent piece that I wrote. I actually finished it. It had to be like, maybe, I don't know, like literally like days before like new lit salon press put the book together. I had parts of it for quite a while. And then, Sort of, I had to stop writing it because of work and other things, and like promoting. You know, I was promoting uh, my novel, An Ordinary Boy, all of last year, so that got in the way. So I, it was really like putting together like the whole collection. I was like, oh, we still need Chubster. <laughs> I'm still writing Chubster. I will, I will finish it soon. So it's really the most recent, most recent one. Uh, I think it's. I love it. I have to say, like, I love it. I don't, I don't necessarily say that about my fiction often, but there's something that, that when I was working on it, when I was writing it, it was almost sort of like a, I don't know, a, sort of an out of body experience. It was so strange because I would read back some of the sections that I wrote and I would think, who wrote this? Like, where did this come from? So I really think it's sort of like had a divine inspiration so i really do love it i loved writing it i loved reading from it so i, I do think it's some of my best uh, my best work and chubster chubster is sort of a, a an erotic story for the new the new gay dating app era okay and that's what it focuses on like you know like it, you can imagine from the title chubster it is it's about a and so sort of the subsequent artwork that terry blasted for it which i love um it is about sort of like a chubby guy that's a little bit older and he's looking, you know, he's looking to hook up the way we all hook up now with like these phone apps like Grinder and Growler and Scruff, but he's not getting any luck on them because he's a little bigger guy, but he's not a bear and he's not a twink and he's not, you know, he's just a little chub. He's a chubster. He's a chub, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and someone tells him to go find, you know, try this app called Chubster, which is for chubby guys and they're chasers. And, you know, and he does, and uh, he meets someone. I won't tell you who he meets, but he does meet someone, and they hook up, and it's a very wild, very wild ride. So that was, that was really nice to write. And again, at the end, you know, it's this whole complete story, because really you're following this man's journey in terms of where he is in life now, how he, how he has to sort of deal with, his sexuality with sort of this new age um, of iPhone, Android, you know, smartphone, uh, dating apps. How do you find men uh, to hook up with in the 21st century? Especially, you know, you're a lot older now. You're not as you know young or thin as you used to be. Maybe you're not as buff. 
So it sort of deals with these issues that I think a lot of a lot of men are going through now, especially with like, you know, you open up these dating apps and everyone has a picture of like their naked torso. Yes. That's so chiseled. And that's actually part of the story. And like I say, he refers to it as um, that these torsos look more like um, sort of like detailed maps of a city ordinance than they do, you know, human bodies because they're so cut out. You can just see the lines and, like, you can get mm-hmm. directions from the abs, you know? <laughs> oh, it's so true, um, though. It's true. And so, you know, and partly I sort of have to say that part of it was inspired, like, by my own experience with the apps, obviously, um, going on them, seeing who's around, but particularly talking to, um, so, like, younger males and how they identified um, with themselves so a lot of um you know a lot of like the conversations he has and the situation he ends up in was inspired by by people i've actually spoken to on them not anyone i've actually hooked up with but just <laughs> sadly <laughs> sadly that experience can go into the story but um just through talking you know through talking to these men and i always when i talk to like guys i like to sort of you know figure out what they're about, what their sexuality is about, because I use it a lot of the times when I do write my fiction. Um, I'm always fascinated by sexuality. So that that had a lot of sort of real, sort of real life scenarios and real life thinking and thought process to it. So I think people really connect with that story. And it's, and it's also talks about an older generation. You know, it's not just necessarily about like really hot men. Like it's about, you know, the main character, he's an average guy. Mm-hmm. He's an average guy, and he's just looking for sex. And I think so. People relate a lot to it, particularly about the you know dating and sex culture that we have now. Oh, it's it's, it's true that it's interesting that you you put those dynamics in there because for somebody for an older guy, it is huge change. And just even ten years ago, and how how you meet somebody, how you hook up with somebody. You know, now everything is done online, and like you said, these apps all have almost the same picture of the same body on them for everybody. Yes, <laughs> everyone. It's just a sea of headless torso. Yeah, and and you and go they're through... all ripped. It's like, how do you have that kind of body? Exactly. Like, how does Photoshop. Photoshop. Yeah, maybe Photoshop. I don't know. Some of them do. I think younger, the younger generation of of gay men. They sort of, you know, they get gym memberships for their birthday presents when they're born. Yeah. You know, and they start working out at one month old. Like, so they do have them because I think, you know, it's sort of dictated now that males have to have this crazy action hero physique. So, you know, it's possible that they all have that. Um, but it's also possible that half of them come from, like, porn star photo shoots. Yes. Um, anything is possible, but yeah, I mean, it's true, and that's part of the story, too, like, where he talks about, you know, sort of his history of, like, hooking up, and, you know, how he's not, uh, he's not a stranger to it, you know, he grew up in the age of online dating and the internet and stuff, but this is a very different ball game than, like, chat room. Oh, yeah. You know, the ways in which we used to sort of meet men online initially. This is a whole different, I mean, this is all based on aesthetics, isn't it? And it's, it's fascinating, too, because... Now, with those apps, and I've only ever had experience with one of them, with that particular one, you now have proximity to somebody else 
thrown in there. So now you can sort through people on a whole nother level that you never were able to before. Yes. Which is, in my mind, it's it's almost insane that now you can not only be selective in who you talk to by what, what, what you're talking about or what the pictures are, now you can look for all the people within the five-mile radius, which, when you look, will blow your mind to find <laughs> that many people in that small little, you know? That's well, such a huge yeah, difference. Well, Absolutely. And it, it really depends a lot on where I think you are. Like where I am, like it's not a five mile radius. It's like a 10, 20, 30, mm-hmm. 40, 50 mile radius. It's <laughs> like, what? And I know people who live in the city, like they turn on their apps. Literally, it's like just feet away. Yes. But when I turn on mine, it's like miles. Like, And sometimes people are like, oh, do you want to come over? And I'm like, you're 40 miles away. Like, <laughs> no. But like that's not that far. I'm like it's far, and it's like one in the morning, and it's raining. Like I'm not coming. I don't, you're in a different county. Like <laughs> I'm not. It's not happening. Like no, it's not happening. It's so far away. Like they're so far away. I'm like why this is not fair. Why do you have to be in a different state? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, it's really, it can, it's interesting, though. But it's also interesting to see, like, the gays pop up, like, especially, like, the young ones. And, like, they're all, like, on the down low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, why can't I see your, who are you? Like, I want to see your face. You live in my town? That's not possible. But nobody um, ever wants to show their face on those apps. No one ever wants to show their face. It's like, why not? Like, show me your face. I think we all feel the, the crunch of sort of, like, this sort of heavy weight of, you know, how we should look. And I think that's maybe what causes people to, like, post older photos or pictures that aren't them because they just want people to, like, like them, you know, and and maybe they're not traditionally attractive and people pass over them um, because no one stops to get to know who you are, really. They just sort of want to see what you look like. I think it's, it's just a sad thing. Like, it is a sad thing when you when you actually think about it. Uh, and we should have, I think, a bit more respect for each other. Oh, I completely uh, agree. But, you know, society is very um, image-driven. And I know? think that's one of the detriments to the those phone apps and even online dating now is that you're almost eliminating. When you met a person at, at a bar or however, you you had to talk to them. And whatever your intentions were, you still had that time kind of find out who the person is now with these websites and the phone apps it's like you said image driven you you look for pictures and you spend very little time actually getting to know who the person is and i do think that's sad i know it's true like you don't find anything about the person like if you actually look at like your conversation history with most of like the guys on the apps do you have a six pack do you have a nine inch penis like yes so it's all become very, you know, and that's the thing. I think no one is actually hooking up. Like, I don't think anyone is actually hooking up as much as we think they are on these apps because everyone is like looking for this weird, like unrealistic expectation of who they're going to find. And so they're passing up on like potential sex partners. So let's talk about your last story in this. And I know. So um, sure. How do you, how do you last... pronounce the last one? I'm sorry. Borake. Uh, Borake. Borake. Um, Borake is an island in the Philippines. It is a vacation island. It's a holiday island. This story is 
probably one of the longest stories I, I have written. And like I said, this one actually appeared in this literary magazine back when published erotica for a short period of time um, because they, they also saw the merits of literary erotica. And then they stopped publishing erotica. And then shortly after they sort of close, I don't know if the two are closed, but like, <laughs> you know, it's hard for, I think it's hard for a lot of online journals to stay open, particularly when your staff is, you know, made up of like volunteers and, you know, everyone has lives and full-time jobs. So when you're doing this sort of as an aside, it's hard to keep things, I think, running. Um, but it was a great, it was a great literary journal and Barake appeared in it, which I was quite thankful for. The story opens really like hardcore, like really hardcore gangbang right in the middle of all this sort of like piggish sex. And, you know, then when we come out of it, you know, it's really at the heart of the story. It's about this, this man, this young man who was like heartbroken um, by his ex um, and he just needs to get away. He lives in Michigan. He's tired of the cold weather. The winter's coming, and he just needs to have distance from his relationship, from everything, from his life. And he has, like, his neighbor travel agent book him on a holiday all the way to the Philippines. And he's like, the Philippines? And she's like, yeah, it's far away. Like, <laughs> she's got this heavy smoker's voice, and it was like Sylvia. She's like, you said you wanted to go far. Like, I love and, it. Uh, yeah. So he goes all the way to the Philippines and like, you know, we actually actually explores. So a lot of it is about the Philippines as well. Like when he gets off the plane, a lot of it sort of is all about the city and sort of experiencing what it's like to sort of be in, in a world very different from yours. And and then, of course, when he gets to this island, you know, and it's it's really about sort of like, you know, warming up a frozen heart, mending a broken heart through love, through compassion, through like um, sex that can healing um rather than sex that is sturdy and and you know slutty you know so it, it's about finding yourself again and 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 accepting yourself and and it's a beautiful story like it's beautiful and it's touching and it's very sweet and romantic and it's just really i think like it's a good way to end the collection it's a good way to end the collection because i think all the stories at the heart of them they all carry this idea that it's really about sort of making an emotional connection with someone, you know, about finding love or acceptance. And it's, and that's why I say like, it's, you know, it's not, the stories are not just about the sex. They're part of, obviously the stories, they happen, they need to happen, but it's about how these characters go from point A to point B and how through it, through that sort of the sexual experiences, they sort of come out more complete, uh, more aware of who they are maybe more satisfied with their lives in, in a much better place. I think that's what makes these stories special. So, in, um, in, in a way, to in me, a way it's, it's kind of like how real people have this kind of sexual experiences where it's not so much the unrealistic fantasy that you would see in, in a porno or in, you know, other erotica. It's more how a typical person would go on a vacation and find healing through sexual experience yeah, or a lot of them a lot of them are sort of more realistic based obviously the the themed ones like the pirates yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the baseball uh tend to be a touch of the fancy but i always um i always ground it in possibility yeah you know happen. that's the thing it's always you know particularly like the baseball one team player 
like you you know it's you know it's baseball so all these like athletes having sex but like it's not it's not porno in the sense where it's like what we what we see like you know porno about like sports stars right this sort of a general sort of like hey let's just have sex you know a gangbang in the shower like a gangbang in the shower like there's a the reason why the sex happens there's a reason for it and even that has sort of an understory and a backstory um and that is even layered so for whatever i write there has to be a reason no one's just having sex for like the plumbers here and it's like hi you want me to clog your pipes like that that doesn't happen like in these stories these people are having sex for a reason and even the most fantastical ones like this there's an underlying reality of like this actually could this actually could happen and this is why it could happen and this is why it does happen um, so i think people appreciate that i like to think so so i hope i hope your readers will agree Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Okay, so the seven deadly sins are lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Which one was your favorite to write about? Um, <laughs> probably the lust, I think. <laughs> the lust, or maybe the sloth. Like, um, I think all, yeah, I think all the stories, you know, sort of the tagline is like, there are seven stories, one for every sin. And I think you can interpret those in many ways, but I think they all touch on these ideas, sort of a greed, whether it's sort of like being greedy sexually, um, you know, um, or pride as in sort of not, you know, not sort of accepting sort of maybe who you are uh, or a situation. So they sort of, you know, you can interpret them in a, in a multitude of ways. Um, but I can think that sort of in any kind of like, sexual situation some kind of sin is being committed like <laughs> something because you know the reasons why we have sex oftentimes or, or or the kind of sex we like to have you know um stems from some kind of sometimes a place of darkness that we don't always like to sort of maybe admit to right especially when we get to sort of more fetishized uh, sexual behaviors but um I don't know. I, yeah, I think definitely the lust. Because there's a lot of lust in the book. There's a lot of lust. And there's a lot of maybe like greedy sex and like slothy sex. <laughs> Can you have slothy sex with cats, right? I think in uh, Borake, the opening, the opening, I think, has almost every sin in it. <laughs> that that really hits home when you read the opening of that story. It really, it like hits you like a soccer ball. Like, yeah, they were like, they were fun. It was fun to write. Uh, what was the hardest sin to write about? The hardest thing, to, the hardest, um, well, I think just in general, the sex, just the sex in general is always the hardest to write about. Uh, sex is really difficult to write. I don't, I don't know if people sort of necessarily realize that, but good sex is really hard to write. Um, and one of the reasons why I stopped writing erotica was because it just, I felt like it was getting repetitive in a way. It's like, you know, how can you talk about sex in a new, um, in a new fashion or how can you do something different? Um, so that's always challenging because you always don't want to make it like, you don't want to make it cheap and you don't want to make it bad because there's a lot of bad sex writing. Mm -hmm. Um, whenever I write about sex, um, whether it's in the erotica or even in my novel, um, or anything I do, like I always, I have to make it realistic. Um, it has to be true to what sex is like 
in that particular situation. So you have um, oops moments? There, yeah, there, yeah. Oh, there are definitely oops moments. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, there are messy moments. There are really hot moments. Um, but, you know, and they're graphic in the sense that I don't lose words. You know, I don't glaze over uh, what's going on. Like, if someone's getting a rim job, I'm telling you exactly what that rim job is like. Like, because it's, I don't believe in sort of masquerading uh, sex. I don't think that helps anyone. Um, I think there are times when it's probably, like, appropriate not to sort of talk about sex, particularly if it doesn't make sense in a story. Um, but I think if you're going to write about sex, you have to write about sex. Uh, so... Um, but the I'm trying to wonder what the hardest sex scene to write was. I think I think in Barake actually, there's a sex scene that takes place on the beach, and that one I think is really challenging um, because it's supposed to be like it's very sensual, um, but there there there's also has to be that moment where like um, the character sort of comes alive, like it's this healing moment. Um, but there's also, I had to find a way to, like, work in, like, condoms into a beach setting. Like, so, <laughs> I was like, how do I, how do I make this all sort of, like, and there's also, like, a flip-flop scene, which doesn't happen often in my fiction. There's, like, you know, the characters, I think, are, like, versatile. So, it was a complex scene to write. Um, it was complex, but I think it worked out really well, and I think people will enjoy it. Um, I think that was probably the hardest the hardest sex scene to write. Um, my last question for you is, could you please tell us where uh, our listeners can purchase this book, uh, Erotica, along with your previous works? Absolutely. Um, Erotica is currently available um, as an e-book from all major um ebook retailers so you can buy it at amazon for your kindle you can get it at barnes and noble for your nook you can buy it um, at google play um, which you can download to your sort of android smartphone um, you can get it for your kobo e-reader you can also get it at um, all romance ebooks you can uh, which where you can just buy um the general like EPUB, Mobi, and PDF files and put them on um, whatever like whatever reader you have or prefer your computer. Um, so you could also and you could get it uh, you could download it from iBooks for your iPhone or iPad or or Mac computer. So um, it's pretty much all over your favorite retailers. Um, and eventually a print edition will be out a special print edition um which will highlight the art in the book because right along with the seven stories you also get eight pieces of original artwork um by terry blass and luke curtis and rob or donez and um alan um Ilagan, who um did wonderful photography wonderful illustrations wonderful um, just wonderful work that really complement each story. So you get the stories and and the and the pictorials. So it's a full on it's a full on um, experience. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being you know with us today. Yeah, this um, was. Thank you so much for this. Um, our I know our listeners are definitely going to enjoy this, and we're going to put a link on our website. 
um, of your website where they can read um, your overview of the book and your other works, as well as um, the links in order to get the electronic copy. Well, I really love uh, being back here. Um, it was great. It's almost been a year, right? It's been a year. It has. Yes. Um, and that was great to talk to you about an ordinary boy, and it's certainly great to talk to you about erotica because it's a collection that I absolutely love. Um, I think it's some of my best writing. Um, and I think people, you know, even if they're not used to reading about sex, um, like I said, the sex is in your face, but the stories are worth uh, the worth the um, the trip down the uh, the trip down the seedy sinful path of lust and sloth and greed and envy, pride. Um, you know, and the pictures are also worth it too. The photography is awesome. So, and for like two ninety nine and sometimes less, I think Amazon and, and um, Google Play have it discounted actually. So, oh, wow. um, it's an easy, quick download. It's a great read. Awesome. Um, it's a great read. So it was great. To, thank you for having me. I really love talking to you, um, Tim and Jill, and you're always awesome people. Thank you. Yes, and we look forward to your next publication so we can have you on again. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. That might not be for a while. I, I have to. I actually have to write a second novel. So, <laughs> but. Um, but I'm telling you, it's erotica is a uh, erotica is sort of like a, a bridge to the second novel because a lot of people ask, like, you know, why did you follow up erotica uh, with an ordinary boy? And um, erotica actually comes with an introduction that uh, talks about the reasons behind that. Um, but I like to think of it as sort of a bridge, sort of like a key to um, where the next novel is going and what it might be about. So. If awesome. readers want to know, you got to buy it. Cliffhanger. I love it. them. Figure it out. Like, put together, like, you know, like Nancy Drew or Columbo. <laughs> yes, I love it. And uh, real fast, our listeners, yeah. they can follow you on Twitter, right? They can totally follow me on Twitter. It's at Brian Centrone, one word, at Brian Centrone. They can like me on Facebook. Um, I think it's uh, Brian Centrone author or Brian Cintron writer. I shouldn't even know, right? Um, <laughs> and they can find me on Facebook. I think it's actually Brian Cintron author only. Um, and of course, my website is briancintron.com and all the links to my social media sites are there. They can find out more about the publications, where to buy, um, you know, my work, um, how to contact me. So definitely follow me, buy the book. If you love it, um, leave reviews of it. Where you wherever you got it, Goodreads, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever, iBooks, um, tweet me, you know, say hello. I love to hear from like readers and fans. All right, everybody has a wonderful day. Bye.